In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Although last week was the picnic, today's are the texts that bring before us the topic of food. Now, when we plan a picnic, there are two things at least that are beyond our control and which we wonder about. One is the weather, and the other is the people. How many will show up? And we always pray for good weather, and then we hope that there will be enough food. We never know. Somehow, there always is. Now, we're back here. We're missing some of the accoutrements, the smoking grill, the dazzling array of side dishes, and the energy that comes from a crowd dispersed over the green grass. But if we can retain some of that in our memories, let's put ourselves into that picture with a similar crowd, men, women, and children who had gathered to hear Jesus and found themselves as the evening shadows lengthened with no place to go and nothing to eat. This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they do, and the people are satisfied. The Greek kortatso, literally grass-fed, as contented cattle, having munched their full of hay and fattened up on the hillside. The picture is poignant because the texts and the other texts we have heard bring with them an evocation of another feeding. The manna from heaven dropped onto the Israelites as they too gathered in the wilderness, a desolate place to await God's pleasure or displeasure. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 3, and following man, humanity, we do not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. Well, there is our subtext. Like those munching on manna, Jesus, God, looks out at the people, his people, Israel, and wonders. Are they just here hearing me for the bread and for the signs of wonders? Do they hunger perhaps for something else? which this food will not satisfy? Or are they just like cattle or sheep, munching their way to oblivion? Jesus is moved to compassion, moved in his guts, as the Greek says, by their plight. Sheep without a shepherd, overrun with diseases which he must cure. But what about tomorrow, next time, the next place, after he has gone? And so he offers them himself preemptively in this prefiguration of our weekly Eucharistic reenactment. 
taking the loaves, looking to heaven, blessing them, breaking them, and giving them to the disciples to distribute to the gathered crowd just as here. And there was enough for the twelve tribes left over, enough food, enough spiritual blessing for the whole world. But is the hunger there for this food, which is spiritual food, the word of God, the only food which satisfies? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Why, getting and spending, do we lay waste our powers on that food, that junk food, which buys us a moment of satisfaction, but has no power to hold us, let alone to grow us? Why do we spend more and more, expend more and more of our lives on that which gives us less and less of what we crave? Going into addictions on God substitutes. I can't get no satisfaction, the poet sings, when I'm driving in my car and the man come on the radio. He's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. We don't need to hear again about the ache in our lives, the pangs that are left when we've done everything we ought to do for everyone in our lives, maybe even for ourselves, and found the emptiness returns again and again, trying to love, looking for love, and trying to hang on. These days I'm turning the pages of a lot of neuroscience. Don't worry, The secrets of neuroscience are safe with me. (laughs) But I go back to it again and again. It's hard going and my neurons aren't firing like they used to. (laughs) But the things we are on the verge of knowing, finding out here about how we know and how we are and how we come into being together. And what they say is what we've known so long, deep down. They're saying so much starts at birth. Indeed, just before and just after, as the right brain lays in the structure, not just on, uh, for our future cognition, but for our present and future happiness, our joy for the whole structure of our being. It all depends on love, a mother's love, they will say, at first a father's later. Not just the mother's milk, but the milk of human kindness positive affect, intersubjectively communicated, non-verbally, non-verbally, precognitively, prior to language, right brain to right brain, mother to infant, neurons firing ecstatically, and not just neural pathways, but our whole DNA, our genetic material being spun out and set in place by that transaction of love. All because we are the apple of a mother's eye, and we know it. And we know that we are being known and loved. That's love. Imagine, then, that we are the apple in a father's eye. A father we can't see, but a father we first know through our mother, if you please. Imagine a father, capital F, embodied 
in our mother as Jesus comes to us in this baked bread. Who loves us, who knows us, who knew us and loved us from before we were born. Parents are reminding me these days how important it is that their newborns be blessed when they come to the rail. And I told them how important it is to me, how I am blessed, but first challenged by the pure gaze of a child. The child has to quote Lubach, ontological density. The child is to me more real than the man. Maybe not than the woman, but more real than myself. Density, substance, concentration of being, presence, pure presence, human and divine. The child has not yet learned to act, to hide behind a mask. That will come. The child simply is. And our job is to celebrate that isness. Whatever the hour of the night or day, that isness makes its claims upon our being. Easier said than done, and easier said in retrospect. The child looks to her mother and sees, we are told, and we pray, a smiling face. That's enough. Words spoken come later, we're told, and even touch and even talk and even the soothing sound of a lullaby all are important. But first, the child sees the face of a mother who is available and vulnerable and constant. Not happy, happy, but present. And from time to time, 30% will do, they tell us, filled with a certain benevolent affect. A certain well-being drawn out by the child. Call that love. We have a father who loves us then, like a mother. We see his face in the face of Jesus. I'm losing you, I know. But he will find you. He already has, chances are. Found you. Found his way into your heart where he belongs or longs to belong. Here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love. There's more to it than that, and we get very hung up on covenants, on what is owed to whom, on what is the price we have to pay for love, what is the work we must do to earn it. That's how the world runs. Nothing is free. Everything is bought and paid for. So I say, listen again. Come, everyone who thirsts, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. He doesn't want our money. He wants our love. He doesn't want our blood, sweat, and tears. He wants to love, to first give us the love we are to give to him. We need bring nothing, nothing to the table, nothing except our hunger, the sole hunger of loneliness, weakness, despair, and defeat. These are music to his ears. All he asks is our need. He will provide the rest. He will provide everything. 
everything forever and ever. Amen.